Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. David is sitting. And that's what you see in this passage. And that's what you hear in today's story. David sitting before the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 is where we are. And it begins with David sitting at home. He's not really before the Lord, but he's in his house and he's sitting. And he's thinking. And he's pondering. And he must have been hanging out with Nathan the prophet at the time. Because he says to Nathan the prophet, Smell that cedar? Mm, I love the smell of my house. I love the smell of cedar. Don't you love the smell of cedar? I don't know a lot of smells about wood, but cedar smells awesome. Well, David says, I have a house of cedar, but the Ark of the Covenant, where God dwells, it's just in a tent. Man, I'd love to make something better. I'd like to make a permanent structure for the Ark of the Covenant. And Nathan, the prophet, He says to David, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Yes, all right. So David goes off and he starts planning. Well, Nathan, he goes to bed and he probably sleeps because it's late and he's tired. And, you know, it's been a long day prophesying. Both men have a lot of rest at this moment. Because that's what it says. David is at rest. Wouldn't that be great to be at rest? Especially if you're a king. He'd been running and running and running for 15 years. And then when he finally became king at the age of 30, he had to fight all these battles. But now it says that he is at rest. Whew. Second Samuel 8 tells how he became at rest. Well, it says the Lord gave victory to David. Twice in that chapter. The Lord gave victory to David. That's why he's at rest. 
And that's what David did right, is he always sat before the Lord, and he he was a man after God's own heart, and he always gave credit, for the most part, to God working in his life, and here, the Lord gave victory to David, and he saw the blessing of God. And how did God give victory to David? Well, he gave victory, first of all, in 2 Samuel chapter 8, he gave victory to David over the Philistines, Woo! He gave him rest over that nation that was a constant thorn in the side of David. And man, finally, he was at rest. The western side of his kingdom was secure. Then he gave him rest against his enemy, the Moabites. Now this is confusing because earlier in David's life, when he's running from Saul, where does he take his mom and dad to be safe? to the Moabites, to the country of Moab. And who is his great-grandmother? Ruth. And what country does she come from? Moab. So he had lots of friends and family in Moab. And so what in the world is this? And not only does he fight the Moabites, he wipes them out. He takes out two-thirds of the population. Because it says there he, he made him lay on the ground, and then he laid out two lines, and then he laid out a third line, and he basically killed the people in the first two lines and keep that single man in the third line. What? What is that? Basically, it seems like he made the army, the fighting men, lay out one, two, three, shoulder to shoulder on the ground. And somehow he would stretch lines across them. And whichever that second line touched, those two men died. While this third line, they lived. I don't know how it worked visually. All I know is David killed out of groups of three. He killed two of the fighting men and kept one of them. So maybe in the total population between men and women and children, he didn't wipe out two-thirds of them, but he basically wiped out two-thirds of the fighting men. I mean, that seems pretty brutal. And he let the surviving men run back to Moab, so why? They could pay him tribute. Man, the Moabites must have done something to be a stench in the nose of David enough to nearly wipe out all the fighting men. Some people think maybe they had a new king in Moab who didn't know about Ruth and he killed David's parents. All we can say is we have no clue. But by the time 2 Samuel 8 rolls around, the Moabites are an enemy to Israel. And God gives them victory. And then he gives them victory to the north. David pushes north and he, and he runs into these this king who wants to come down and fight him. And, and David goes into battle with him and he fights him. His name is Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And he wants to restore his power to the north all the way to the Euphrates. And so he attacks David to push his territory smaller. Well... He doesn't realize how tough David is. And he doesn't realize, right? It's not so much the toughness of David, but that God is with him. So Hadadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, guess what? He loses. And David then 
take 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers. And then the chariot horses that pull these big chariots that are super battle war chariots, he would take a sword or a knife and cut the hamstring of their big, huge legs. So the horses would basically be limping around. They couldn't pull a chariot. He doesn't want Hedadazer to raise up again, so he hurts the horses, which hurts the chariots. And again, he takes half his army. Well, the king of Syria hears this. And when the Syrians of Damascus come down to help Hadadazer, and they think, we're going to wipe David out. Well, again... The Lord gave victory to David, and David struck down 22,000 men of the Syrians. I mean, that's huge. I can't imagine. My town where I live is only about 12,000 people, 22,000 men. And David pushes the territory of Israel all the way practically to the Euphrates River to the north. He expands it way up there. Why? Because again, it keeps saying the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. The Lord was blessing David. The Lord was blessing him. He kills the Philistines. He wipes out Hadadazer and his army. And then he pushes all the way and nearly wipes out the Syrians. And then he fights the Ammonites and the Edomites. And he takes all their gold. And he gets victory to the west. He gets victory to the east. He gets victory to the north. He gets victory to the south. And he makes a name for himself finally by wiping out 18,000 Edomites. Now the thing is, the nation of Edom is sort of relatives of Israel. Jacob had a brother named Edom, and from Jacob's brother Edom came the Edomites, and they were big enemies of Israel. Jacob and Edom always fought. Well, they continued fighting and getting into arguments, and God gave David victory wherever he went. Look to the east, look to the west, look to the north, look to the south. David pushed the boundaries of Israel bigger and broader. He made his country huge, and David was at rest. Whew. You ever want to be at rest? You ever had a moment where you're like, you know what? No worries. I'm happy. Well, if you have, it's rare. It's fleeting. It might last five minutes a day. Well, David, when we meet him in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he's there. He's at rest. Like I said, he is sitting before the Lord. Well, he's not actually sitting before the Lord at this point. You know what? He's sitting in his house. And that's when he talked to Nathan. And Nathan said, you know what? That's a good idea. The Ark of the Covenant does need its own temple, its own spot. Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Well, like I said, they go to sleep. David to his house in his nice cedar-smelling house, and Nathan to his house, and he falls asleep. And 
Nathan. Nathan. What? What? I can imagine Nathan looking around and... Nathan. Listen. I need you to go tell David something. It's sort of bad news, but it's really good news. It's a little bit of bad news with a lot of good news. What is it? Well, tell him this. I don't want you to build me a house. I don't want you to build this building that's going to house the Ark of the Covenant. He doesn't tell Nathan this, but later on he basically reveals, David, you can't build it because you've shed too much blood. You've killed too many people. The way he took out the Moabites, David has some brilliant moments, but that seemed a little cruel. Ultimately, David, you've shed too much blood. Now, God does not tell Nathan that at this moment, but that's ultimately why. But what he does tell Nathan is, listen, when have I ever asked anybody to build me a house? Did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel to build me a house? No, I haven't ever asked for a house, and I don't want one now, David. But, you know what? I love you, David. This is what God wants Nathan to tell David. I love you. I took you from following sheep to becoming prince over my people of Israel. I've given you victory and I've cut off all your enemies before you. And I'm going to make your name great. Like the names of the great ones of the earth. I mean, this is what God is telling Nathan to tell David. This is good news. And the good news gets even better. And he says, I want someone from your family, one of your sons, to build me a house. And I'm going to raise up an offspring after you who's who will build a house for my name. Now, later on, we know who that son is. You know who that is? Solomon, his son, becomes one of the wisest kings ever, and he gets to build the tabernacle. So God says through Nathan to David, hey, you will build for me a house, but it won't be you. It's going to be one of your sons. And I'm going to make your name great and your kingdom is going to last. And then God says something amazing. He then jumps from talking about David's offspring, Saul, to saying this, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever. And your throne shall be established forever. What? I thought you were talking about my son Solomon. I was. I was. I mean, that's essentially what this thing was. It did. It started out talking about his son Solomon. But then it goes into a future prophecy. Solomon's not going to live forever. He's going to die. Solomon's a human. But David, God is saying, I'm going to make your kingdom, your line, your reign to last forever. Huh. That doesn't sound like a covenant just with David. No, no, no. He's making a present covenant with David, but then he's making a future covenant with David. And the cool thing about this covenant that God is making with David is that it has nothing to do with David. It has everything to do with God. This covenant is secure. This covenant will occur. 
somebody is going to come from the line of David who will reign forever. This has a supernatural future realization that this goes way beyond humans to the realm of a kingdom that's going to last forever and somebody from my line is going to be a king forever? How does that work? And from this covenant, there's going to be somebody from your line who's going to reign forever in this kingdom that will never end. Now that is a supernatural promise. And you know who that promise came through? I bet you can guess. Talks about the genealogy in the book of Matthew of Jesus from the line of David. God here in 2 Samuel makes a covenant with David that says your kingdom is going to last forever. And then he says from your kingdom, from your offspring, is eventually someone going to come who will last forever, who will be king of kings and lord of lords. And you know what his name was? Jesus. And Jesus became the Messiah. And there was a sense in Jewish prophecy and in Jewish understanding that the Messiah was going to come out of the line of David. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. A righteous branch is going to come out of the line of David. And that goes all the way back to the Davidic covenant that God made between God and David. Out of his line is going to come a Messiah. And how many years later, someone did. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus is the Messiah. And so God comes to David and says, You can't build me a tabernacle, but your son will. I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. And out of that kingship, out of that line, is going to come someone who will change the world forever. A righteous branch. And he will rule forever. And he'll be the Messiah. And his name is Jesus. Then it says in 2 Samuel 7, Nathan must have gotten up and ran and told David this whole beautiful new covenant. And by the way, this covenant is still in vogue today. It's still there. God has this covenant with Israel. And if you look at the covenant, God makes 10 promises to the people of Israel, and specifically to David and his line that are going to come true. And it's really cool to look at. But ultimately, what you got to realize is the promise that God says, out of your line is going to come somebody who's going to be called the Messiah, and he's going to rule and reign forever. That comes out of something called the Davidic Covenant. Now, covenant is a big word, right? For those of you who don't know it, basically it means contract. You know, when you go buy a car, you say, hey, I'd like to buy your car. And if you let me buy it for this amount of money, I will pay you this amount of money for that car. And then the other person says, all right. 
sign on this dotted line that you'll pay me this amount of money for this car. You shake hands, boom, contract made. Well, that's sort of like what a covenant is, except it's not between you and another human being. It's between you and God. It could be between you and another human being, but God is always in there. And many times the covenant is basically between God and man. And and each time God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, a contract. I promise I will do this if you do this, Abraham. And here he comes to David and God says, I will make a contract with you, a covenant with you. But you know what's neat about this one? David doesn't have to do anything. God says, I'm your surety. I'm the promise. I will do this. I love you, David. So Nathan goes to tell David this, and I think David gets up the next day. Well, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. Remember, this chapter began with David sitting in his house. Well, it ends with David coming and sitting before the Lord. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. That means he probably went in to the temple that they had at that point, the tent of meeting, and he sat before the Lord. And here he just pours out praise and he pours out thanksgiving. It begins with this prayer to God. Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me so far? Who am I to deserve this type of love and kindness? And what is my house and my family? And he just thanks the Lord. He says, you are great, O Lord God. And he recites over and over again what God has done for the people of Israel and for him. And he says, your name will be magnified forever. The Lord of hosts is God over Israel for you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And he keeps repeating how much he loves the Lord, the God of Israel, over and over again. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. End of praise. End of prayer. You know the story? Little bad news, right? Little fighting here and there. Little problems, little stress. But it's full of good news for David. But the story began with David sitting in his house and thinking about how to honor God. Then it ended with David sitting before the Lord, praising his name. And I think I need to do more sitting before the Lord. And open my Bible and pray scripture back to the Lord. I find that that's one of the best things you do is find a verse that you know really well and read it back to God. And then as you find two or three words that jump out, read that back and praise God for it. You know, you could start with the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you just took our Father, and then just thank God for being your Father, and thank him for what it means, who art in heaven, and talk about what one day what heaven will be like, and how you're looking forward to being with him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Ask God to help you to honor his name every day. And man, if you take verses in scripture and pray them back to God, you are sitting before the Lord. Then if you quietly sit and wait for the Lord to listen and wait for the Lord to talk to you, you won't hear an audible voice, but God loves his word. And he might make a verse jump out at you. He might make some verses encourage you in the heart at that moment. He loves his word and he's going to use his word to encourage and strengthen you. I encourage you this week. Let's all be like David. And let's sit before the Lord and listen. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.